First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network. Turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we are going to have so much fun because we're going back to our roots just a little bit, talking with um, the wonderful Michelle Hayward. This is really going to be a great program because we're talking about how we should really be treating our employees and the people we work with, you know, to really make sure that that they're happy. So please join me in welcoming Michelle Hayward. Welcome, Michelle. Hello, Deb. Thanks for having me on the program today. Great. Well, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So located in Chicago, Blue Dog Design is a business consulting firm focused on building company purpose, integrated strategy, and innovation. Michelle Hayward is CEO of Blue Dog Design, where she has created an award-winning culture that is attracting top talent from across the country. She joins us here today to share her thoughts on why CEOs and business owners need to rethink who their company's stakeholders are and how to ensure you're meeting their needs long-term growth. So again, Michelle, welcome. Thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Great. Always excited to talk about our employees. And well, and you know, it's it's funny. We were chatting off the air about the fact that many people think employees, dime a dozen, we can replace them, and they truly are the absolute most important part of any organization. And we very rarely treat them that way. Um, and so that's what is is so exciting to me to talk to you today because they really are the most important part of any organization. By extension, maybe it's a volunteer group or, or something like that. Or maybe you're a small business owner that's getting ready to hire employees. You want to set the, the framework right. But let's kind of take a little bit of a step back and tell us a little bit more about Blue Dog Design and how it came to be. How it came to be. So I would say that I grew up in a family business. So I grew up in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. In okay. a, uh, my parents owned an IGA store, which is an independent grocer's mm-hmm. association. We used to call them IGAs, but... IGAs, sure. <laughs> um, and so I worked at, truly in a family business where mm-hmm. uh, both grand, sets of grandparents worked in our business. Wow. Wow. And uh, there was, it was always fraught with, with a little bit of tension, Right. Um, a lot of personalities, um, a lot of uh, a lot of misunderstandings, let's say, and uh, a lot of emotions. Emotions ran high, and as I went on about my journey, and uh, I went to Germany and became an exchange student for a year, and I lived with another family and was became more aware of the cultural differences or the family dynamics. It mm-hmm. became an area of real interest for me. So as I began my career, I started noticing 
culture and what <laughs> meant to be in these different businesses. I tried mm-hmm. on different companies over over <clears throat> time in my twenties, mm-hmm. and I I was exposed to places that had really intolerable cultures. Uh, people would throw things at each other, yell, oh. scream, mm-hmm. uh, withhold information. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is super messed up, even more messed up than maybe my family business I came mm-hmm. from. And I would also be, uh, I was exposed to cultures that were really well-run machines. Mm-hmm. And then I was exposed to businesses where there was no culture at all. And people filled in the absence of knowing how to navigate that place with a lot of negativity. Mm-hmm. And so when this business uh, came to be, I believe I was very culture forward and, and very intentional and thought long and hard at, my, at the very origins of this business of what I wanted to attract mm-hmm. and what we were in business to do together as a mm-hmm. company. And so that, that really set us on our course of being a culture forward company. And fast forward 20 years, we're being recognized for those things. And it's something that businesses and people talk about very frequently now. Um, but we were, we were culture forward from the very beginning and very mm-hmm. intentional about how we were going to create a movement. Right. You know, and back when I was in corporate America, which was a while ago, I I had great work environments and as you said horrible work environments. I mean I I worked in in one company where the the boss was well in this in this climate today he would not survive. Um you know he was uh, very verbally abusive um you know and and uh, you were scared of him but he I, you know I never ever saw him actually touch somebody but he would just get so blustery and so angry that, I mean, you thought, oh my gosh, this man is going to hit me. Now, he did throw stuff. Um, a chair went all the way across the room one time, and you know, and it wasn't at anybody, but still doesn't matter. I mean, you know, he, he picked up a chair and, and he chucked it. Uh, you know, and, and, and I remember thinking, I cannot wait to get out of here. Um, you know, and, and so, of course, the problem with that is I, there was no way I was going to do my best work. You know, I did only what kept him from yelling at me was basically the amount of work that I did. And, you know, and, and then I've worked for companies that were kind of in between where you were treated kind of okay, you know, almost an afterthought type of, yeah, okay, we're giving you bonuses and here you go. And, and, you know, and, and in many cases, it's the you should be glad to have a job with us, those, those type of employers. And then, of course, I've worked for companies. <laughs> that doesn't work anymore. Yeah, I know you, you chuckle at that because, you know, how many companies really are that you really should be glad that we have hired you. <laughs> and it's like, no, you should be glad that I work for you. There needs to be mutuality in any relationship. Right. And I think as we consider ourselves a purpose-forward company, that mm-hmm. means that we start with the why. Why mm-hmm. are we in business? Uh, right. We're in business because we really want to be the superpower behind every leader in mm-hmm. business. And one of the tools that we really uh, believe in is delivering clarity. Mm-hmm. So we're in the business of delivering clarity. And if you come to work for any other reason, maybe you're at the wrong place. Mm -hmm. And we all know that and we all feel that and we talk about Mm -hmm. it. And so people walk in the door and they understand why they're here every day Mm -hmm. and what what their focus needs to be. And I believe that that creates internal momentum. Mm -hmm. So we're working, we're working toward the same thing. There's a sense of camaraderie. There is a sense of purpose mm-hmm. in the organization, and that's really important. Um, so that 
I think that that's part of the mutuality is us being able to stand up and say, hey, here's our purpose and here's our vision and here's why we think you'd be a great fit. And then for those talented individuals to say, I'd like that. I feel that. I want to be a part of that in the work I do every day. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm going to accept this offer and come come to work. And it becomes a contract of sorts. Right. And and it is a mutual contract, you know, and, and I think that's so many times what kind of gets lost in the shuffle is, you know, I, you know, I, we were laughing about, you know, the employee, the employer says, hey, you know, you should, you should be glad you've got this job. But we've all also worked with, you know, I've, I've had employees that were the, I am God's gift. You should be so glad I'm working here. Well, of course, that's not mutual either um, because they're so I and me centered that it's, it's just not going to do any good. Um, uh, you know, volunteer organizations, we were talking about this off the, the air. So many times we enter into, you know, working on a volunteer organization for very uh, self-serving ways. Um, you know, part of it, and, and you know, it's, it's great to volunteer. I mean, I, I never, ever want to discourage that. And I think that's, you know, fabulous and, and people really should volunteer. But we need to be thinking about why are we volunteering? Are we volunteering just because it looks good on our resume? Which, you know, granted, that's what a lot of people do, or because we can meet the right people, or all of those things. You know, and, and so then it comes back to, you know, what is, is your purpose? And, and so talk to us a little bit more about that clarity. You know, how do we get clarity with people so that they know why they are volunteering? Why, you know, or, or more importantly, why are they an employee? So we start with what we declare as our values. Okay. And so, uh, you know, one of our really important values at Blue Dog is freedom. Okay. So we work with very high-performing, talented individuals that really, mm-hmm. I believe, could go to work anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them have their MBAs. Mm-hmm. Many of them have had successful careers outside of Blue Dog. And why did they leave those careers? What were they looking for? What were we all looking for? What was I looking for? Um, I was looking for more freedom. Mm-hmm. And with freedom comes great accountability, mm-hmm. right? So that's part of the contract. So we value, we all value the freedom, but we also all value that we have ownership and accountability for the outcomes. Right. How does that show up in our business? Mm-hmm. Um, we have a flat organization and we believe that critical decisions are best made at the edges of the business, where the teams work, not where okay. I sit. Mm-hmm. So they're empowered to make pricing decisions, Mm. to say yes or no to requests. They're empowered to be that high-value partner with their client teams. And with that comes great accountability that they're going to deliver the work that's high quality, that's on time, Mm -hmm. that's profitable, and is meaningful and gets us rehired again. Right. So that's the exchange for that. But we understand that we all... We all talk about how we value freedom, mm-hmm. that accountability is the other side of that coin, and then what it means in the work. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have more than just one value, of course, but I think that's how you start to navigate your way to hiring the right people for mm-hmm. the organization that value the same things that, that you value. Right. Make those those things explicit and stated, and we talk about them in the interview process. Mm-hmm. And you know, people, when you talk about freedom, and it's just my one example here, but you talk about freedom. I was like, yeah, I totally want more freedom. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've heard my employees in interviews respond to that like, well, okay, well, be careful what you wish right. for. Because what it, does that mean? Yeah, you know? <laughs> means that you really 
ultimately own, which shows up, um, which shows up at the end of the day is, mm-hmm. is profit or loss mm-hmm. or a, a relationship that goes on for 10 years or doesn't succeed past this one project right. it's on you. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain type of person that really is driven by that. Mm-hmm. And there are people that don't understand the signal we're trying to send mm-hmm. to them. Maybe we didn't deliver it in a powerful enough way and they show up and they're a deer in headlights here. It right. doesn't work out mm-hmm. because they're not aligned with what we value. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately why we're in business is to deliver that kind of that clarity we talked right. about. So right. You have to be intentional about it. I mean, those are things that we've really, over the course of 20 years, I had, I, those were always our values. I talked about them differently when I was younger, certainly, um, than we do today, but mm-hmm. they, uh, they, and they've evolved in their meaning and they're richer mm-hmm. and more, uh, there's more texture to them and more understanding, but those are things that we have to be really transparent about. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and obviously it, it varies between industries and um, companies and, and things like that as to how much freedom somebody can have. Yeah, because in some cases, it, it really is pretty structured as to, to what they're doing, and they can't vary on the price. You know, you, you can't walk into a grocery store and, and you know, say, hey, I'm going to pay a different price. And, um, you know, but, but a lot of times for a service-based company, you know, whether it's a consulting firm, you know, advertising firm, marketing firm, whatever, we can, you know, kind of vary things like that. And, and I love the fact that the employees are allowed to do that. But, of course, the big part is they have to have uh, you know, and, and you, you talk about this, the, the knowledge about the organization. So, you know, say you normally charge $250 an hour for, for something. They can't just all of a sudden decide, oh, I like these people, so I'm going to give them $75 an hour or I'm going to charge them $75 an hour. And they can't just arbitrarily decide that. Now, maybe they're a nonprofit that they're going to work with. And so there's, you know, we, that's, that's, but, you know, you still, because you still have bills that your, your business has to pay. You still have to meet payroll and things like that. So they can't be so altruistic um, that you're not making a profit. But that comes with the education. I mean, you know, and, and so it could be that, that you tell people, hey, you know, we've got flexibility here um, with, with what we can charge. And I remember years ago, I worked for an agency in Colorado. And one of the things that the, the owner always said was, you charge what the market will bear. And I was kind of confused about that. And, and he said, some industries just expect, or industries or people expect to pay more. They just do. I mean, you know, they're, and, and typically that's somebody who themselves are charging more. So lawyers, doctors, people like that. And then, you know, there are people who expect to pay less. And so we had the flexibility to be able to say, okay, this person, he's not going to value what we do unless we're charging him quite a bit of money. This person is this wonderful nonprofit agency, and we're going to cut everything down to the bare bones to be able to, to, to provide with them. But we'd had those discussions with the, the company to be able to decide, okay, how flexible can we be? I think the idea is really to set up a strong culture and, uh, and attract the right people that mm-hmm. value the organization and what right. it has to offer. Mm-hmm. The company needs to be really clear about what those mm-hmm. values are. Right. For us, freedom and accountability is certainly one value. We have several others. Mm-hmm. Those need to be right for for you, your company, mm-hmm. and ultimately, you know, for the type of tra- talent you want to attract. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an exercise, and it's an ongoing exercise. Like I said, I've been doing it ongoing for twenty years mm-hmm. now, um, but it's probably the most important navigation tool that we mm-hmm. have. Right. 
Well, and when we talk about freedom, you know, there's certainly other things that that you can offer to employees, Uh, work from home, you know, all these varying things. And again, it's going to vary depending on what you're doing, but, you know, and and, and there are people, work from home is a great example. I mean, some people, (coughs) that's the best way that they're going to be a a great employee. You know, that is just their mode. And then there are other people that they need that structure of coming in at eight o'clock, of leaving at five o'clock, of spending the whole day at their desk. I mean, that's just how they work best. And so I think that's what's confusing to CEOs, business leaders, you know, whoever is trying to figure out, (coughs) excuse me, how, you know, how do you deal with all those different type of employees? You know, and, and what their needs may or may not be. I mean, there you got to have to go back to that mutuality again. And if you've, if you've, <clears throat> if you're working on hard problems, um, you know, we answer difficult questions and we work on hard problems that mm-hmm. organizations have. And uh, if those problems mean that you need to be in a room mm-hmm. working with uh, your teammates mm-hmm. uh, in a very structured way, working from home is not the best option. So you need to right. be in service to. Um, not just purpose and not just the company values, but also what your organization has of ways of working. Right. Ways of working is a common, is a more common um, structure these days, mm-hmm. I suppose you would say. But, you know, we have, we have expectations around how we work together and mm-hmm. those are also stated. Right. And so if you, again, if you leave everything up to chance that people are going to somehow find their way to... Right satisfaction oh, in your yeah, organ. No. That's a bad idea. And mm-hmm. I think the more you can explicitly state, I mean, we explicitly state what we value. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll talk about freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we explicitly talk about our ways of working mm-hmm. as being highly collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, that collaboration can happen in a lot of different places. You know, we don't say it has to be in conference room five mm-hmm. at three o'clock every day. Right. Uh, for some people, that's texting. I mean, you know, who knows? But that is uh, that is understood and it's talked about. And right. I think the more you, the more an organization can at least facilitate a place for those conversations to happen mm-hmm. by talking about purpose or talking about values or talking about ways of working, the more likely you are to succeed together. Right. But that means you have to do some upfront work mm-hmm. um, to prepare the organization for how the employees can share that conversation. Oh, definitely. You know, and, and I think that's where sometimes companies, you know, fail because they get on a trend. Oh, well, the trend is work from home. Okay. Well, that might not work. Or, you know, the trend is longer days, shorter days, you know, whatever. And, but the, as you said, the important thing is to know it and communicate it. And clearly, you know, the, the initial thing you have to do is communicate that to potential employees, because, you know, if somebody is not comfortable in that work environment, then hopefully they would have self-selected out of even applying for the job. Um, you know, again, that agency that I worked with, it was one of those agencies that every 10 minutes we were putting out fires, um, you know, changing for this client, doing this, doing that, doing that. You know, you, you, we didn't even do task lists because, you know, it, 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 we never got to those, which I don't know, that might have been a management problem in and among itself. But one of the employees that was there, she was an extremely structure-driven person. She wanted to know that at 9 to 12, she was going to be doing X. And it hadn't been communicated with her. 
you know, that what type of, of agency we were. And, you know, bless her, she didn't last long because it just wasn't a good fit for her. And therefore, it wasn't a good fit for the company either. But we had failed because we hadn't communicated that to start with. And more than likely, it was because we hadn't even figured it out ourselves. More than likely, that's true. Mm-hmm. And it's not fail-proof. Right. I mean, oftentimes... Um, organizations are in situations where they really, really need somebody and they can see the best in the person across from them. Um, And then it's also true that people are, these days are very sophisticated interviewers. Oh yeah. We're not saying that they're going to lie, but they might figure out how to appropriately answer the question. (laughs) And I think being in the room with, with, I think with our blue doggers, like Mm -hmm. that are so passionate and excited Mm -hmm. about, how we work and the problems we solve and the questions we answer for these amazing clients mm-hmm. we work with. I mean, I think people get caught up in that too. Right. And sometimes right. they want to see themselves in an mm-hmm. organization like this where, mm-hmm. but maybe it's not going to make them long-term happy. So it's mm-hmm. a very, um, it's a very intentional process mm-hmm. that we go through and we all certainly hope, hope for the best. Right. But there are, you know, the, the other way to spin this conversation is also to think about um, those organizations that are listening that have, you know, that have longevity in the market mm-hmm. and have high performing successful teams already in place. Um, you know, that these, these structures that we're talking about, you know, having company purpose, really stating values that people understand deeply and thinking about ways of working are so important because it, it protects that high value asset that you mm-hmm. already have within your companies. Right. So the way that you are can be pulled out of the the memory and the roots of what you already have, mm-hmm. right? It's not necessarily a creative exercise. Right. Like you are who you are. Mm-hmm. Do the work to figure out what that is mm-hmm. and then express it. Right. It goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the start, we were talking about the fact that, you know, many companies really don't understand that their employees are their most valuable asset. They're their most valuable part of the business. I mean, all these various things. And, and, you know, we think, oh, you know, they're replaceable, you know, and, and in some industries they are. I mean, you know, you really can run an ad, you know, but you're not, you're not building long-term employees. And, and some, for some people, I mean, you know, working in a company two years might be long-term and, you know, and, and then they, they kind of trade over. And, and so we're not saying that, you know, you got to be there 30 years, but, you know, the, the churn maybe is the appropriate, you know, when we're just continually churning employees, that's not good. You know, we've all heard the financial numbers, you know, that, that it's much better to keep an employee, you know, from a financial aspect as opposed to having to go out and hire and, and all of those things. But, you know, we all want to, I, I want to, you know, when I, when I worked in, in, you know, corporate America, I want to know who I was working with. You know, I didn't want to have somebody different sitting at that desk every other day because you can't build a team when you're doing that. And, and for some companies, I mean, that they think that works and maybe it does, but you know, let's see, it's, it's a difficult prospect for people because you know, they, they don't value their employees. And I know that's a lot of what you work with when you're consulting with companies is how they really value their employees. So talk more about that. We believe that when we focus on the culture, Mm -hmm. Um, and we focus on strategy and we combine that with a purpose-led directive mm-hmm. that we can become more successful right. overall. So mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, why does this company exist is very, very important because it's a North Star for what you say yes to and what you say no to. Mm-hmm. 
how wonderfully productive can you be in an organization if you really know what to say yes to and what to say no to? Mm-hmm. As trends and fads come to market, let's say you're in the food business and high salt, high sodium is in, low sodium is out, um, you know, whatever the, whatever the mm-hmm. opportunity is, you know, how do you know how to stay the course on the right things? And sometimes really your purpose will guide you to make that decision in a right. much more effective way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that really, that really can move employees to satisfaction. And when mm-hmm. they know why they get out of bed every day, mm-hmm. the job they're expected to do and, and what the organization is in service to, that is super motivating for people. Mm-hmm. So that really drives the idea of integrated strategies. So strategies that are, are, um, being worked on and managed throughout the C-suite, not just mm-hmm. by one role player. Uh, we know that those strategies are more successful in the organization because they're being tackled from a multifaceted, uh, at a multifaceted level. Mm-hmm. And then culture itself, um, if we can mobilize people around those integrated strategies and they can see themselves in it and they see themselves in, in service to the organization and they know why they get out of bed every day, we find that we have a more motivated workforce mm-hmm. overall. I right. Mean, it, it doesn't, it sounds so simple and it's so hard. Uh, but oftentimes what we see is that uh, leadership in the organizations we serve, and I'm sure I've been accused of that in my organization as well, um, it, you know, stands up and says, here's purpose and here's our vision. And, you know, we're setting out to meet this big, hairy, audacious goal over the next 15 years or mm-hmm. The, the organization says, and employees don't really hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stating it once doesn't make it true mm-hmm. or real. They need to feel it. They need they need right. for that to show up in how how the strategies are integrated mm-hmm. in the organization and how their roles are clarified in how they're expected to work together. Mm-hmm. And they need to feel that purpose and that vision come through the organization into their ears and into their hands mm-hmm. and through the work every day in right. some way. And that takes real intention mm-hmm. and repetition mm-hmm. and creativity. Mm-hmm. And it is often, oftentimes those things are not the focus of the organizations that we serve. Right. And I know for myself, I will be the first one. You know, we do an engagement survey, uh, I believe three times a year now. Mm. And uh, the engagement survey two years ago came back and said that uh, leadership wasn't transparent. Hmm. And you're thinking, what? <laughs> I will answer anything to you. A transparency uh-huh. values. You can you can go onto any of our um, our our workflow, and you can see where where we are and how we're doing and billability at any given time during the day. And uh, and then I sit down and I have these town hall meetings. Mm-hmm. And when we double clicked in this, uh, what we realized was that the town hall meetings happened with frequency, but mm-hmm. they weren't regular. Oh. And so we're like, well, what if we make them, the, I'm making this up, the first Tuesday of every mm-hmm. month. Right. And everybody knows the town hall happens the first Tuesday of every month mm-hmm. and they're getting organization-wide information. Mm-hmm. And it, and I kind of rolled my eyes and I'm like, well, it's what I've been doing for a really long time now. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it wasn't regular mm-hmm. and stated. It, um, and it didn't happen with quite the frequency that they do now. Now they're monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very organized. It's very expected. And um, the perception that there is greater transparency in the organization has gone up. Mm-hmm. And I use it as a platform to talk about purpose, vision, values, and, uh, and the way that the 
team of employees is really servicing the organization every month. And right. I believe it's making a difference, that platform and, and that repetition. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and then, of course, the important thing is that the employees feel that they can not only have input, but they are heard. You know, because I've been to, to meetings before, you know, the company-wide meetings where we went. We basically had talking head. <laughs> he sat up there. He gushed. He carried on. He, you know, here's all these things. And maybe took questions or input, but you knew whatever you said really didn't matter. Um, you know, and, and, and it was just, he had been told it was important to do those things. And so you went, you sat there and the whole time you're thinking, okay, I should be doing this and this and this and, you know, and, and this was fortunately before we had smartphones. And so not everybody was sitting there playing on their phones, but yeah, we, we figured, you know, okay, whatever. And so it, it really is that give and take. I mean, you know, it's, it's great to have these meetings, but if, it's just the talking head and there's no back and forth or worse. If the employee knows I, if I raise my hand, I'm going to get my head cut off. Um, you know, and, and because, you know, you, you mentioned at the, you know, earlier on that the decisions need to be made from the, the fringes. I mean, the employees are the ones that are seeing the things that can be improved upon are going wrong. You know, all of those things. And, and sometimes the last thing management wants to hear even though they need to hear it, is what's going wrong. Um, you know, and, and so if an employee thinks, you know, there's no point in saying, hey, you know, what about, because they're either A, going to cut my head off, B, fire me, or C, pay zero attention, they're not going to do it. Yeah, that's too bad. I'm sure that happens in every organization, including ours, but it is really encouraged and uh, just this month, we had somebody raise their hand. It's nice when they do it ahead mm-hmm. uh, because then I I believe that we can put some structure to what it is mm-hmm. that they are concerned with. Right. And structure meaning like what outcome mm-hmm. can we action out mm-hmm. of that input? You know, we were given some feedback that um, many of our clients are talking about a particular service and they... Uh, and that maybe we didn't understand it quite the way we should. Mm-hmm. We didn't have oh. as broad a definition as we okay. needed to have to mm-hmm. be able to address how this vocabulary was mm-hmm. coming up in so many different ways in all, mm-hmm. all these organizations. And so that was that was taken as feedback ahead of time. And then during mm-hmm. the actual uh, town hall, we were able to have a couple people raise their hands and say, "Well, this is how I'm seeing it," and then mm-hmm. say, "This is the action we're taking out of it. We're going mm-hmm. to we're going to funnel this to this team and and those that want to be involved." Right. Get involved. Right. Um, so that is a way to make that really positive. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think those forums. I think they're tricky because they are really a forum for making sure that everybody's getting the same access to organization-wide mm-hmm. information. Right. Right. And, um, you want to. You certainly want to balance that with some type of interaction. Mm-hmm. But the main goal, at least for me, is to make sure that there is there is that platform to mm-hmm. talk about the things that we care about in a consistent, meaningful way. Right. Well, and sometimes you're, you're, you, know, you might be saying, no, you know, we can't do that. And that's okay as long as you say why. Um, you know, because then the, the employee's like, okay, well, they did value what I was saying, but they said, okay, well, we can't do that now because, and often it's just, we can't do it right now because, you know, we're, maybe we'll be able to do it in the future. But, you know, again, it's that whole give and take thing. Yep. Well, in this context, and I think that's part of an employee's and my, all of us, like we're on this learning journey, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, we're always on it. 
uh, but we we talk about uh, we talk about growth at Blue Dog as in large part moving from me to we mm-hmm. to having an organizational view. Mm-hmm. So we show up and it's all about me and I'm growing my proficiency and I'm getting more confident. Mm-hmm. I'm learning and man, I can stand up on my own and write with both hands and, and people respect me. Great. Mm-hmm. Now you got to move to thinking about we. Right. We are a team. Mm-hmm. We are in it together. Mm-hmm. We need to empower each other. We need to show up for each other. We need to uh, take whatever assignment we're given and be able to embolden the team with the information that mm-hmm. we were sent to retrieve and bring back in a more powerful way, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to move with agility and hone those skills and enable the the we, the team, mm-hmm. to move better. And then as you go up um, the growth universe, that Blue Dog, you understand how to think about what an organization cares about, not just our organization and how where the value is in Blue Dog as a company, but where's the value in company X, Y, or Z? Mm-hmm. And how do they model that? What, what is the difference? Because then you can serve them to a greater extent. Right. Um, cult, understanding culturally, how the structure is designed and how that either is a barrier to cultural growth or a catalyst for growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an organizational view that over time people can arrive can arrive at. So to your point, there is context that's often needed that supports why something is a great idea or not a great idea yet. Right. Right. Um, And moving from, you know, as we really encourage our employees to think about how they move from being me-centered, which Mm -hmm. you need to be for a point in time in your career, for Mm -hmm. sure. It's not a bad thing, to a we, Mm -hmm. to an us. And Mm -hmm. it's a a journey. So that, that context is oftentimes just that's the thing that's missing. It's not mm-hmm. that anything is a bad idea. It's just not an idea ready for its time or ready mm-hmm. for an organization or right. ready for a moment we're having. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that that's what keeps me engaged as a mm-hmm. leader is, is having the opportunity to, to guide that in mm-hmm. some small way for somebody. That's really fun. Right. Yeah. And, and every once in a while, it might be a hard no, but it still needs to be explained as to why. Um, you know, and, and because you know, it, it is true that if there's not information, we make it up ourselves. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I've seen that before in the organizations that I've been in where, you know, we, we weren't willing or able to provide information when we were going through a big transition. I mean, if people knew jobs were being lost, jobs were being moved, all those various things. And so the choice was to not communicate. Now, I'm a communication person. (laughs) And I was like, oh, no, danger, danger. And, you know, and, and, and they said, well, we don't have all the answers. Well, you know, people didn't need all the answers. They needed to know, do I have a job tomorrow? (laughs) Should I be looking at, you know, selling my house? I mean, all these various things. And of course, what happened was we, we filled that void with the worst case scenario, you know, and, and now granted there are, you know, some employees that are the Pollyannas that are thinking, oh, everything will be okay. But for the most part we do, we fill that void and then, you know, then it just goes. And, and I think one of the hardest things for sometimes employers to understand is even if it's bad news, people want to know it because then you can deal with it. You know, if profits are down, if you're having to move all these various things, you know, okay, at least I'm not making it up again, you know, or, or listening to the gossip vine. You know, it's, it's important that we provide that information because, again, you know, if, if we don't provide it, it will be made up. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think earlier on when I was talking about those, uh, that company I worked for mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s that had virtually no signposts mm-hmm. for culture and, and there was zero communication right. from anybody, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we made up stuff all day long. Mm-hmm. And we just just conjecture mm-hmm. or, um, you know, a lot of talk about our commutes, um, right. you know, things that weren't mm-hmm. adding value or making each other better mm-hmm. employees or team members. It didn't make us smarter. We weren't enriched in any way. Mm-hmm. We just filled in the blanks right. with whatever was around us. And it was a right. lot of negativity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think when I, I, I think when I am asked by other business leaders, you know, what's the number one thing that I would, I would recommend over and over again. It's, it's figure out what you value mm-hmm. and repeat, right? Put it on repeat. Mm-hmm. Let people it's not just the thing that's printed on the wall where you come in. Gosh, no, Gosh, no. <laughs> no, it should be talked about. And there mm-hmm. should be stories about those things that you value. Mm-hmm. And there should be people in the organization that actually exemplify that you can right. do and say, mm-hmm. You know, one of our values is also pure of heart. So that idea that we are willing to get in the struggle with our clients and help them solve really difficult problems, mm-hmm. we are willing to think about that as we mm-hmm. fall asleep, read about, read new things, mm-hmm. um, really wrestle with that awful feeling inside when you really don't know what the answer is. Right. And and yet we trust that co- we will come out the other side together mm-hmm. and we will have that moment of great clarity and deliver an illuminating um, outcome to our clients. Mm-hmm. And that's very motivating. But right. it takes somebody very pure of heart that's in service mm-hmm. and will leave it all on the floor, you know, as a sports metaphor, I suppose, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, to be able to get to that other side. And pure mm-hmm. of heart is really, really important. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can point to people in my organization and say, like so and so, like so and so. This is how they. This is how they manifest that, and what you see as a result. Mm-hmm. Not just that they're great employees or mm-hmm. that they're so good at their job they became a partner. No, it's like they're exemplifying a part of our world, and mm-hmm. I, so storytelling is also a really big part of being effective mm-hmm. as a leader. Right. right. Now, you know, we're talking about, you know, how to really make your employees feel valued and honored and respected. I mean, hello, respected is probably one of the, the biggest things. But, uh, you know, we can, we can do that in ways, and, and typically what companies do is you get the one-time bonus. You know, once a year, you get a bonus. Everybody gets the bonus. No, you know, it's not, you know, everybody gets, you know, the $100, the gift card, the whatever it is. And so it's, you know, you're like, okay, whatever. Uh, even if it's different levels, you're still, you know, whatever. And so, you know, one of the things that you talk about are doing in providing perks as opposed to things like that. So what do you mean by perks? Yeah. So, you know, one of the great things about running a private business is you can experiment with all kinds of things over, mm-hmm. over time. And one of the... Well, and you try it first and then if it works, you roll it out. <laughs> One of the things I've really come to understand, and there's plenty that's been written about this, is that people don't necessarily, people like money, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't motivate them. Right. And it's a, people have short memories about money Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we have profit sharing and 401k Mm -hmm. and bonuses and it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily remembered or Mm -hmm. even, um, even, even something people will thank you for. Mm -hmm. Regardless of, especially if it's just assumed you're going to get it, yeah, right. So that assumption is one of mm-hmm. the 
most terrible idea is this end of the year bonus, but mm-hmm. that's, we'll reserve that for another time. I'm, I'm working on that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, over time it's been, uh, you know, we've, we've arrived at different ways to say thank you. And I, I still believe in the handwritten card. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. And sometimes it. that's what people need. They just need, hey, thanks. <laughs> this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very difficult to to know all the magical moments that happen, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a leader of an organization. I'm not in the project work, so I don't know those those mm-hmm. pivotal moments when somebody really shows up until someone tells me, but I think I take mm-hmm. them and I, I move them forward. But I, as an organization, uh, we have different ways that we try to say thank you and like I've said a few times already, you know, we answer difficult questions and we solve hard problems. Mm-hmm. And so how can I make sure that my team feels cared for? Is right. really the answer mm-hmm. is the question that we have on the table. And the answer is like, it depends, you mm-hmm. know, we try to make sure that there is, there are exciting snacks here that rotate all the time. So things yeah. that people have never seen before mm-hmm. and wouldn't necessarily find on their own that mm-hmm. are um, mostly healthful mm-hmm. and exciting. So mm-hmm. when they get up and they're they're walking around the office and they're thinking through something, you mm-hmm. know, that's a little bit of a, a moment of delight they might have. Um, we do bring in uh, yoga, mindfulness training, mm-hmm. um, massage, acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do we do bring in those services that we hope help people relax, mm-hmm. tune up, right. It makes space for them, so on the weekend they don't have that as an errand. Mm. Um, same with dry cleaning, mm-hmm. car wash. Mm-hmm. Um, if they if they have a if they have a car, um, cool. Support. So I think that people do appreciate those things mm-hmm. at different levels depending on how they fit into their lives. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's people that say, you know, I don't really have, a, I don't really need any of that. I'm perfectly happy. But mm-hmm. um, but mostly what they talk about is the fact that they are their meals are taken care of mm-hmm. their breakfast and, and a couple right. of days a week. And there's usually lots of stuff to scavenge around mm-hmm. here um, that they don't have to worry about when mm-hmm. they, they don't have to worry about the basic thing of just even being hungry. Right. And, right. and that's kind of nice. It helps them get their, it helps them get their life done and mm-hmm. then they can get out of here at a decent hour and they can go, they can go out into the big bad world and, mm-hmm. and be with family, listen to music, go for a run, do the things that make them feel mm-hmm. really great. Right. You know, I, I talked with a guest and it's been, gosh, probably a couple of years ago that he was on and, and it was all about, you know, he was, he was the steward for his company. And clearly he made an impression because I, I still remember an awful lot of what he said. And he was the CEO of a large company. I mean, you know, they had departments, they had, you know, it was, the, he had hundreds of employees, but he had started this way. And then as it evolved, he empowered his managers. And so one of the things that they had come up with was, that, you know, each each person, each employee had a kind of an amount of money that could be spent on them for a perk, you know, just a, a fun little thing. And But each manager was to figure out what was most important to them, you know, and, and, and then go, you know, and, and do that. And so he said, you know, there were people who, you know, spending time with their family was one of the most important things to them. So they would get passes to the, the local amusement park. Or, you know, movie theater tickets. And, you know, and, and other people were foodies. So they'd get, you know, a, a cool gift card to, to one of the new restaurants. And, he, and for some, it really was, you know, they wanted an hour off every once in a while or, or whatever it was. And, and so they figured out what, what meant, and, and he said, it's a lot of work. You know, that manager, I mean, that's an added thing. But it, it really paid off, um, you know, because the, the employees felt most importantly, hey, they're paying attention to me. 
And he said, you know, sometimes, you know, the employees didn't want to talk about it. You know, there are employees that, you know, we, we've all got the TMI employees and we've got the employees who don't say a word. And so the manager would just have to pay attention. You know, are there pictures of their kids, you know, all over in their cubicle, you know, all these various things. And if I remember right, he has fifth generation employees in his business. And, you know, I mean, that was phenomenal, you know, and, and, and it is the type of organization where you have people who are more longer term type of, of employees. But he said it made so much difference when each person, you know, it, it, back to that end of year bonus. Oh, yeah, everybody gets it. So, you know, but it's like, oh my gosh, they heard me say that there's a new Lego land and my kid wanted to go to it. Look, I got a pass. Um, you know, that's what is important. And, and that really, you know, like he, you know, he, he said, you know, he had employees that were there forever. Uh, he also did the, and you mentioned this in, in the talking points that were sent, they did sabbaticals. So talk about yes. the importance of, of sabbaticals for employees and, and, you know, kind of how you define them and, and why they're so very important. So. I think the sabbatical is important for everybody, actually. Mm -hmm. um, we, we all do, need a break. <laughs> we all need a break. Um, and I think, so what we've, what we've learned over the years, so uh, we've, been doing, uh, we've been doing sabbaticals long enough that many people have had two. We do mm -hmm. them every five years. And what we've learned over this time is that it sounds great, mm -hmm. But it is something that people approach with a little bit of trepidation, right? Like right. I have to go out there and spend this time mm -hmm. in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. What do I care about? Right. I could go do anything. So what it wasn't just an, like? a vacation. So it has, you know, what I had thought they would be in my mind is not what they are either. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought people would take this, this <laughs> in my, in my simple mind, I was like, well, this people are going to go say, well, I always wanted to be a teacher. And I, you know, sliding door moment. I never, I never did pursue that. But what would it be mm -hmm. like if I went to Africa for a month and right. taught X, Y, Z? And that has been uh, not the case. <laughs> People haven't thought about it as a vacation or a sliding door moment, but mm -hmm. rather they've gone on these, uh, these journeys of um, more self-discovery, like trying... Mm -hmm trying new things that haven't, not everybody, but a lot of people have gone out and tried new things. So one woman um, had been with her husband since she was in high school. Wow. And she, uh, all through college and, you know, they, they've been together a really long time and she's realized that she doesn't spend much time doing things without him. And she hadn't actually gone on a vacation without him. Oh, and uh, it's a brave move. <laughs> <laughs> she took what she called a selfie baticle mm. and she went camping in the wilderness for two mm -hmm. weeks and spent time with just herself. Wow. And the book she was reading and mm -hmm. nature and, you know, it came back and, and told us all about it. We do, uh, we have summits mm -hmm. where this, the, those who take a sabbatical will come back and share their, their mm -hmm. sabbatical experiences and it, it, it's kind of a thing that we do. And she came back and it was a really emotional story. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was super moving and very motivating for her and how she governed her life going forward. So right. people do take on big moments and challenges. Mm -hmm. and, and then even those who don't necessarily see themselves doing that, I think they come back from that time and they still find that what they whatever it was that they did, mm -hmm. even if they perceived it not to be that dramatic, mm -hmm actually was because they designed that time right. to serve themselves. Mm -hmm. And how often do we do that in life? 
right? So that's been great. And what it does for the organization has, has been a really nice surprise. So um, obviously, if people are taking a sabbatical, they've been here five years at least. And so mm-hmm. they're important to the organization. They play a pivotal role. Right. They're uh, very well respected. And when they leave, there is a moment of like, oh, shoot. Oh, no. They're gone for a no. while. They're mm-hmm. gone for a while. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool is watching certain people step into that cool mm-hmm. level of command or right. it's not necessarily that role because mm-hmm. they already have the skills, mm-hmm. um, but they're they're using that absence and that vacancy to reshape their mm-hmm. value in the organization. Mm-hmm. And it's it's needed, but it's not necessarily explicitly asked of them. And you never know exactly who's going to do it. And mm-hmm. that's really cool. And so typically the sabbatical taker comes back to the organization in a slightly different capacity mm-hmm. because that right. kind of the role shifted and mm-hmm. yeah, they're able to shift mm-hmm. in a positive way and move mm-hmm. forward and leave some of that responsibility they had behind and take on new responsibility mm-hmm. because others have filled in that void and that's magical right there's a right. lot of trust that has to transpire in the oh yeah because of course happen. somebody else is thinking oh my gosh they're going to find out they don't need me <laughs> which is very much not true, but I'm, we're all human. We have those thoughts and feelings right. for sure. So, um, but it's also really wonderful to watch the great care that people take mm-hmm. in designing the responsibilities in, you know, for that time when they're absent. So making sure that everybody right. knows how to take mm-hmm. care of the clients, the work mm-hmm. themselves, mm-hmm. the team and, and, and so they're, they're leaving the team in the best mm-hmm. possible hand. It's not it's, like it's kind of like a parent. You raise the children that are able to, to, to go forth and do what, what you need to, what, you know, what is important. Yes. Which I think is, is really remarkable. And it shows right. that pure of heart again, right. that we value so much mm-hmm. and um, it comes through in so many different mm-hmm. ways. And that's another great way to do mm-hmm. it. So radical has been a wonderful mechanism. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful that it is a retention tool that, mm-hmm. That, oh, yeah. And that Five years is a long time for somebody to be somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And it's it's wonderful. And certainly it's a signal that we're sending them that, hey, we value you. Go take a break. Mm-hmm. Go think about something entirely different. And we trust you're going to come back and enrich mm-hmm. us in ways that we can't imagine. Right. Well, now, have you been able to take a sabbatical or two? Or I've taken a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. I've taken one and maybe one and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I went to Berlin a couple years ago mm-hmm. and, um, actually my sabbatical goal was to work for another woman ah. and to find a job where mm-hmm. I could have, I could make, I could use what I know in marketing to make an mm-hmm. impact on mm-hmm. another business. And it was, you know, not for pay because that gets complicated. Right. Um, yeah. Especially with a very <laughs> limited period of time. Uh-huh. Very limited. And, period and a foreign time. country and yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I used my network really successfully to meet the right people mm-hmm. that were able to put me in touch with, um, with women. Mm-hmm. Some of them were just like, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? You know, go do yoga. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Well, I can go do yoga for 50 minutes a day, but then right. Mm-hmm. I want to be fulfilled in a different way. So mm-hmm. I found people who are completely not understanding at all. And it might be a cultural difference because they mm-hmm. were like, I don't know, I get two months vacation every year. So what's the deal? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but I also met a woman and I sat down with her, another woman, I sat down with her um, and she ran uh, PR and marketing for a wonderful hotel that was oh. a hotel, very, very cool. Mm-hmm. And she hired me, that's air quotes for those of you that can't right. 
You interned. Uh, I interned <laughs> um, and was able to put on a launch party for a hotel cool. in, that was launching in Europe. And so I had, wow. a, I had a budget and I was able mm-hmm. to do real, real things and learn mm-hmm. a little bit about how to hire agencies and, mm-hmm. and make partnerships in, in ways that I hadn't experienced before. I learned a lot in a short mm-hmm. time. So it was great. Right. Yeah. Now, one of the other things that you have done or are doing is you've made a commitment to meet 100 new people each year. Yes. You know, and I'm assuming that's not business contacts from networking. <laughs> you know? Correct. Because, you know, that's, that's just kind of a given. So tell us a little bit more about this because this is fascinating. Yeah, this is such an outrageous goal I put on myself every year. Um, it is two not, people a week. <laughs> it, is, it is not business networking. You're right. I, it is it is very explicitly looking to meet people whom I can speak with, like I'm mm-hmm. speaking with you, and and reaching into their world and learning about them. Mm-hmm. And I think it it sprouts empathy. Um, it certainly builds a different kind of network. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it, you make friends. Sometimes you make an ally. Sometimes you have people that are willing to talk about you to new circles in mm-hmm. new ways. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I am actively looking for a private company board seat right now. So there are. You know, I saw that on your LinkedIn profile. So finding advocates that mm-hmm. are, are willing to go to bat for you as a woman who has mm-hmm. you know experience that might benefit a company is really mm-hmm. important. I was told, you know, tell two hundred and fifty people you're looking for a board seat, and you're bound to you're bound to come across somebody who's really interested. Right. So that 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 kind of networking or meeting a mm-hmm. hundred new to me people mm-hmm. each year is it is a, it's a ton of work. It's um, my assistant Caitlin will tell you it is all about uh, breakfasts and mm-hmm. coffees and right. lunches and you know finding time when I'm in Boston or New mm-hmm. York or whatever it is to make mm-hmm. to make those to make those connections and it just takes a ton of intentionality. Right, but it has very much enriched me and. Um, broadened my horizons and certainly mm-hmm. broadened my vocabulary around around businesses that I'm not mm-hmm. familiar with. Right. I interviewed a young woman. Oh, it's been several years ago now. And of course, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Um, but she wrote the book, 52 Cups of Coffee. Mm-hmm. And, and so her concept was very similar. Each week, and, and she said, you know, she tried to just keep it a week. And she was very young. Part of this was she was just networking fresh out of college. But it was, you know, meeting someone totally knew every week that she really could sit down and, and, you know, get to know. And, and I just, I thought that was a great concept because it, it, it was for some, you know, for part of it, a business, you know, centered type of thing, but it was much more personal. You know, how, how can I meet somebody? And she said, obviously many of the cups of coffee are virtual, you know, we're doing something like what we're doing here. But, you know, I just, I thought that was such a cool concept. And, and especially for someone who was, you know, fresh out of college and really trying to, to make her way in the world. Yeah, I mean, it shows that her emotional intelligence is extremely. Oh yeah, high. like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and that there's a lot of curiosity that you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to really love people and really be interested in what it is they have to offer. But I mean, as an example, uh, I started writing a book this year, and I'm not ready to talk about it, but I am ready to. We'll say, have you on again? again. <laughs> uh, but I am ready to say that it, mm-hmm. you know, the learning that I had the ability, capability, and time to write a book Mm -hmm. came through one of these interactions with an author. Cool. You know, she's Mm -hmm. an an author. I'm not an author. Mm -hmm. I just run a business. You know, how could I write a book? And and she really nailed down for me the ways in which I could. And Mm -hmm. 
know, that it's a process and you work a process like anything else. And it mm-hmm. was really clarifying for me and empowering for me to realize that I, I, I could learn something new and not have it take over my life. Mm-hmm most of the time. Right. Um, so that came from one of these uh, one of these lunches that I've really enjoyed. Fun. I love it. I love it. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. We we definitely will have you on again because like you said you're writing a book so we will have you on when you when you Thank have your book out. But Deb. tell us a little bit more about Blue Dog and you know how you help businesses and then you know you've got this con this this great network of connections that also helps these businesses. So tell us a little bit more about Blue Dog. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. So I've, I've mentioned a few times that there are uh, questions we answer and problems we solve. Mm-hmm. And that can mean a lot of things uh, when we are talking about business. Uh, mm-hmm. We are a consumer forward mm-hmm. strategy consultancy. So we do work with companies in their C-suites to help them understand what their purpose is, what really mm-hmm. drives them, what to say yes and no to, and how to integrate those strategies so they can have cultural adherence in an organization. And we also solve problems that help companies grow uh, more tactically. So Mm -hmm. find a new partition in a category, um, understand where growth will come from, uh, cast a category vision Mm -hmm. or a business vision uh, and put principles behind it. We work a lot in e-commerce strategy or digital commerce strategy, Mm -hmm. you might say, and and think about uh, what the insights are there and how we can transform organizations in moments that matter for consumer, for sales, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is that's really being sold. So um, a lot of that ladders also down into what we call pure play innovation. Mm-hmm. So really developing the product or service um, that is next and new mm-hmm. that ends up in the marketplace. Cool. Right? So there's all of this high-minded strategy work mm-hmm. that we do that's really important for businesses to wrap their heads around what the opportunity is and realize and recognize what the actual work is mm-hmm. that has to happen within the organization, but also what the work is that that needs to manifest in a real way to end up in somebody's grocery cart or right. in their um, or in their inbox if they're mm-hmm. selling a service. So that is the big hard heavy work that we do mm-hmm. at Blue Dog, and we right. love. It. And I'm assuming you work with companies around the world. We do. Um, a lot of our work is with multinational companies, mm-hmm. so uh, they are inherently complex. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, just from a cultural perspective, as to you know, as we've said, how they treat employees, and that's really how I grew up. I grew up working mm-hmm. with multinational companies mm-hmm. uh, my entire career, so it's no surprise that our network has really resulted in mm-hmm. those types of relationships, which is again super satisfying. We love that kind of complexity mm-hmm. that comes with. Um, that's what makes it a hard problem, right? Mm-hmm. When there's a lot of stakeholders, right? And a lot of value to be captured. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do work with companies closer to home that maybe aren't so large. uh, And we appreciate when they're looking for the right marketing services or innovation growth services. Mm -hmm. And if they have the right structure and we can help them, we're all about it. Right. Great. Well, how do people find you online? Well, thanks for asking. Um, They can reach me at michelle at bluedogdesign.com. And that's Michelle with two L's. You can also find us at Mm bluedogdesign.com. And we have some some fun case studies to look at and a portal to reach out to us as well. Perfect. I love it. Well, you know, this really has been great. And I can't wait to, to talk with you again because I think it's so important that, you know, as we have said, your employees, your volunteers, you know, your, they are the most important part of your organization. And, you know, by far, remember that you know, it's, it's by not, far. 
your technology. It's not your product. It's not all of those various things. None of those matter if your employees are not happy. You know, are they going to be happy 100% of the time? No. But, you know, we, we need them to be respected. And I think, you know, that is maybe one of the, the biggest terms that I keep coming back to is, you know, so many times employees just don't feel like they're respected and that their their opinion matters and that their knowledge and skills are important. You know, we're not just the, hey, you know, we've put somebody in that seat in front of that computer for, you know, two years time. So, you know, this has been a great discussion and I can't wait to continue it some more. I look forward to it as well. You have a really powerful program here with with the Business Power Hour, and I love being a part of it. Thank you. For I that. love it. It's so much fun. I get to talk to some of the coolest people. Um, you know, and, and I hope I'm counting as one of your hundred people that, that you are, are reaching out to meet. Um, Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and, and so, so cool on that. Well, is there any final thoughts you would like to leave everyone with? My final thought is be intentional and okay. don't don't shirk from the opportunity to be repetitive. Mm-hmm. You know, give, give people, your employees, an opportunity to hear your message a few different ways. Great. I love it. I love it. Well, I have been having an absolutely wonderful time talking with, this, with Michelle Hayward of Blue Dog Design. I am Deb Creer. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.